Welcome to Family Financial Views from University of Illinois Extension. Welcome, everyone. We are so excited to have you on with us as you're listening to one of our other great topics, which we're going to be covering on savings. We're going to focus a lot on like savings barriers and some of the different ways that we can help with providing resources for you as you are figuring out, you know, your long-term and your short-term savings goal. I am so happy to be on with my colleague, Kathy. I am Kamaya Walls-Bichard. Kathy's on and ready to go. How are you doing today, Kathy? I'm doing great. We got a hot day here in Illinois and it's a good day to tackle a hot topic like mm -hmm. saving money. But you know, when we're thinking about this, I think one of the things I'm going to challenge you and I and our mm -hmm. listeners is to think about who is our feud with when it comes to saving challenges? Okay. You know, is it ourselves? You know, do we mm -hmm. set up our own barriers to getting that process started? Is it with a partner and that agreement piece, which is important, obviously, and sometimes mm -hmm. a challenge? Or is it your current financial situation? Is it just, this is not the time that you can be setting money aside for either short-term or long-term savings. So let's kind of dig into this mm -hmm. in today's podcast. And I'm hoping that everybody find some strategies or maybe a different perspective that will help motivate you to either start saving or maybe save a little more if you've already begun. So I thought, let's just talk for a minute about why is saving hard? And Kamaya, what do you find hard about it? <laughs> You know, going back to your first part about like, you know, who's the feud with? Is it with yourself? Is it with your partner or, you know, your financial situation? I swear at different points in my life, it has been with all of that. It's like my internal struggle, knowing that I need to save, you know, it's like working it out with the partner and then just sometimes getting frustrated at, you know, previous financial situations where it's like, I just really can't make this dollar stretch. And yes. there were just like all those different reasons why, um, you know, it just really Really got hard at different points in my life. You know, for now, when I think about like why savings is so hard as an educator and also as a person trying to build savings and investment, I think a lot of times when we think about it, we might think of it as like an optional thing on like, mm -hmm. you know, some of our required things that we have to pay each month, like our utilities and our rent or mortgage or, you know, our insurance. But it seems like one of those options that we need flexibility with. So even if we commit to saying, oh, I want to put this much away this month, Month, but something might pop up and I might need to dip into it. So that can also add to that challenge where it doesn't feel like a required thing or, you know, something that's set in stone for us each month. And so, you know, we might have a hard time with deciding, you know, how much to go in and when to pull money from that. So yeah, that's kind of one of my reasons why I think it's so hard sometimes. Yeah, go on off of what you were just saying. I think to add to that, that optional piece where like, you know, obviously food, food is real high priority mm -hmm. here. You know, people are yelling at you in the household if you don't have food available, right? So you get that yes. purchase. But savings is a little bit more abstract. And I think sometimes having focused goals mm -hmm. and taking the time and the energy to think about what are your focus goals, that can help you also, you know, get motivated to save. Mm -hmm. But it takes a bit to like, figure out those focus goals. And so without those, it, to me, it's even harder to save. Yes. So, and, you know, there's always, as we all know, things to buy at the moment that sound <laughs> like fun or things yes. to do or needs, like you said, that rise up that you think about. And so I've been kind of lucky in that I think my money personality is such that with security being high and things that saving mm -hmm. comes pretty easily for me. Right. That's not ever been a real tough one, except when we didn't have any money. But other than that time period, <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, yeah. But I think for other people, it could be the money mm-hmm. personality could be a barrier as well when right. that security need not quite so high. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, other things are happening. And sometimes it's not something that's negative, right? It's sometimes it's other fun opportunities Absolutely. That might come up and you're like, oh my gosh, I've been doing so good with like, um, you know, all the savings that I've been doing, but just wanting to, to hop onto that opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And you know, that missing out of something like, yeah. you know, an opportunity to spend time with friends or family mm-hmm. and it takes some money to get there or do it. There's always opportunities to spend more money for fun. So, and that's yeah. good. And I think too, for a lot of people with even having those goals, but you know, then there are changing needs. Like if we look at our current like economic situations right now, mm-hmm. um, we saw like the new um, inflation number, you know, went up to like 9.1% in June and all the different changes that people are making adjustments to now like your dollar it doesn't work the same that it did way back in December so people have to try to keep up with like those changing needs and so you know savings sometimes unfortunately suffers when we have like these types of changes in our lives Absolutely. All right. So I think what we want to do is let's let's start talking about ways to help with that saving to mm-hmm. get us past some of these barriers yes. that are totally real and we're not trying to minimize, mm-hmm. but at the same time, once we've acknowledged them, we may still want to save money. So we may need to move on. <laughs> As I was thinking about this, to me, the strategies that work best are a little different for when I'm trying to save for a short-term goal than a long-term goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, short-term goals, I usually think of as something that's going to happen within one to five years. And it, it could be a different amount of time for different people, but relatively short-term. And I think the example we all think of at first is emergency savings. Mm-hmm. You know, just having that safety net that can help us, as you mentioned, when we have unexpected expenses or prices go up we didn't expect it. And it's nice to have. It provides security. It can also help us avoid using credit cards Mm -hmm. and that extra interest rates. You know, overall, people do pretty well in our country with this. The Federal Reserve has been doing a survey for several years now on the economic well-being of U.S. households. And 32% of people in 2021 said they did not have the cash to cover a $400 emergency and they would need to borrow it. And that's more than I would like to see. It's hard Mm -hmm. to think of. A third of people don't have enough, but two thirds do. So we could flip it around. Right. (laughs) But you know, I think it's important to realize that when we talk about saving, sometimes we just have to get that amount started as much as we can to cover those small amounts. And I guess I was just kind of thinking about this too, you know, can you think of anything, Kamaya, that has happened in your household recently or last couple of months that was kind of an unexpected expense that all of a sudden you had to come up with? Can I? Oh my goodness. So yeah, there have been several things over the last few months. Let's say over the last six months, we've had a couple of urgent care visits based on like, you know, just family health issues. Um, lots of things that of course got resolved. But one of the most challenging one happened when one of our vehicle decided just to stop working while I was out running errands. And it was just such a very, very hard situation to be in at that time, you know, when that type of emergency happens and, you know, trying to figure out towing, calling insurance and just figuring out how, you know, we're going to make like adjustments right then and there and figuring out there's transportation to work and shuttling kids back and forth. And this happened when my partner was out of town. Of course, it's always (laughs) that way. (laughs) 
Yes, it happened when he was out of town. But, you know, for over the years, we have saved diligently into emergency savings. So having, again, like that safety net, that buffer. So when we we were able to bring the car in to see what was going on, and we decided that, you know, that car had come to the end of its time with us. And so moving on from that car and saving up for like a down payment on a newer vehicle. But it was a really rough time trying to make like all those adjustments and, you know, trying to work through that but you know looking back to see if we didn't have like that little bit of a buffer it would have been a very challenging situation for us to try to move down to one vehicle and then working out the details as to resolving the issue with the vehicle that was given all those problems but this was one of those situations where when you're in it you know you feel it but you're glad when you do have like that kind of buffer and you know I, I'm glad that along with like that two-thirds of folks who do have some money put away for emergency savings that we were in that that category as well. Yeah, we just think about the stress yes. that you were under anyway. Mm-hmm. But then if you hadn't had that safety net, the stress would have mm-hmm. obviously been much higher. And, you know, we've talked about this, but there's some research that kind of supports it too, that one of the reasons people don't have the safety net is if you just don't have enough income to exactly. really cover your essential needs, then finding dollars to put away and keep in savings, you know, where you don't have to just keep pulling them out every bit is really hard. And we were in sort of an interesting situation during the pandemic of 2020-21, where we were getting some stimulus checks to help out with all the uh, craziness that was going on. And a recent study from the Michigan Retirement and Disability Research Center showed that, you know, when stimulus checks were received in 2020, people increased their liquid savings. They put it away into short-term savings. And so what that says to me is that when people have some leeway, they will put away money for those uncertain times that they're expecting. And especially we saw a change in our economically vulnerable consumers. And, you know, people were able to say more confidently that they'd be able to pay a $400 unexpected expense. So thinking about all of this and and kind of thinking about if you have enough money to kind of get started on saving, but for one reason or another, it just really hasn't happened. That'd be fun to think of some ways that we could jumpstart savings, kind of get into it. Yes and build that safety net piece first, perhaps. So, you know, I have some ideas, but I also thought maybe, <laughs> Kamaya, you, do you have any favorite strategies or tricks, you know, that can help people get over that hurdle? Right. And, you know, over the years, I have not been very creative. So, you know, when Kathy and I do different workshops or webinars, we always try to pick people's brain to ask them for things that they've done, you know, just to help with like those savings habit that they practice or they continue to do over the years. So for me, when it comes to savings, I have to think of it kind of like I would like another bill. This is weird. So it's more of, I'm not thinking about it as, oh, this is just money that I'm just putting away for whatever, but having like that goal associated with it. And I know for us, when we do talk about spending plans and budget, you know, a lot of you who are listening might be familiar with the concept of pay yourself first. So we incorporate that in like our budget to say, we want savings to be an active part, developing like that healthy savings habit and for it to be an active part of your budget. So for me, it's not actively thinking 
thinking about it, trying my best to do like those automatic setup, which dependent on your situation, of course, you know, it might not always work for your situation. But if you are in that place where it might work better for you to not necessarily actively thinking about it, you know that you are saving money, but you have that set up. So it just comes out kind of like you would like, oh, you know, you know, a monthly payment or a bill and the amount, of course, it really doesn't matter. It's not about that amount. That's not the end goal at this point in like this discussion is just more of developing that habit and making sure that you have something coming out, you know, as frequently as possible, if that's your situation. Yeah. And I think that those are all really great ideas for those people who have like a slightly different perspective of ways it works. I kind of always think of it as a way to trick your brain, which is really different than what Kamaya was just describing. But it's like, you know, how can I make this happen without feeling the pain of it happening? How can I trick it? (laughs) And so things that have over the years that have been kind of fun to do, and I've talked to other friends who have used some of these is like, have a nothing week. And this is a week where you try to spend no money at all. You just don't do things that require any money. And then you have that chunk of money that you can then put away to get your savings account started. So it kind of bumps up there and you Mm -hmm. see that positively. One of the things that I've done that more than once that has really helped out is just go over every one of my bills line by line to make sure (laughs) I understand all the charges, you know, my water bill, my utility bill, my credit cards, and find those things that are Mm -hmm. on them that shouldn't be on them that either a company is charging me for that I didn't think they were charging me for and Mm -hmm. I can get rid of it or something that I signed up for and it's on my credit card, you know, every month, but I don't really want anymore Mm -hmm. and I can cancel it and get rid of it. And I have been surprised at how much I can, if I really do that for a month or two, just how many reoccurring charges I can get rid of. And so, you know, if you find those, then Mm -hmm. you can just sort of slide those over to savings because you didn't really ever have that money. Anyway, you were sending it off to people you didn't care about. So now you can just (laughs) slide it over for yourself. So I think that's another one. One strategy I know a lot of friends used was when their kids either got done with diapers or got out of preschool, just shifting those dollars Mm -hmm. over to college savings. So again, Mm -hmm. before they really got used to using those dollars for something else, moving them over. So, you know, you might want to sit down and kind of think about what are your favorite tricks or what is your strategy that'll help you get past your own feud with savings (laughs) and into the mode of jumpstarting it. Yes, yes. Oh, I love those ideas. I'm, I'm just writing things down now or kind of thinking about like how I would do that as I talk to maybe like my teens about saving money. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I think some of those are really good when we just want to get started on the mm-hmm. savings. And once you start saving, it's kind of motivating to see that money mm-hmm. and it grow and then that can help too. But when we start tackling those long-term goals, those things that are really maybe bigger goals in terms of dollars, and you're not going to get to see the value of them right away. Right. <laughs> you're not going to feel that satisfaction. Right. Saving right for away. a vacation in a year, mm-hmm. you can stay motivated about yes. that. But it's harder when it's down the road for things like retirement mm-hmm. or buying a house, helping children with education, maybe worldwide travel, right? Take some dollars. But, you know, I think it's valuable though to also visualize those long-term goals Mm -hmm. and think about how do we do it? I mean, what kind of things about long-term goals matters to you, Kamaya? How do you like put that into play? 
Yeah, there are several things that really do matter for me because, you know, my partner and I have had lots of discussions about, you know, the help that we were able to get as we were pursuing like our education or career goals. And, you know, our family did their best that they could, but we've always wanted to make sure that we help our kids with establishing a little bit of financial stability. And that started out when they were very young with establishing like a savings account and, you know, deposited money into that into helping save for their continued education after high school. So that's one of like our primary goals. But another one that's always been central for me is, you know, I grew up in Jamaica and I grew up where a lot of family members struggles. And so for me with creating different opportunities to help people as they're aging, as they're getting older, that's always been part of my goal setting when I plan anything, when I plan to build savings and, you know, thinking about how I might be able to help family in the long run. And this is conversation that I've had over and over with my partners well too. So those things come into play when I'm thinking about the long term in terms of how we're planning for our future, but how we're also helping other people as yeah. we're getting older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I th- and I think that's where, you know, obviously people's long-term goals will be different depending mm-hmm. on your values, yes. your family structure, you know, just kind of how you see yourself mm-hmm. and what you want to do. And we've talked in a podcast before about how do you kind of save for multiple goals yes. at the same time. And the podcast is called Thinking Long-Term Kids Versus Retirement. Not that it has to be one or the other, but <laughs> um, so if you're interested in that piece of it, you might want to go back and listen to that one. And, you know, I think one of the barriers to saving for some things like retirement is it's just really hard to figure out how much do you need to be putting away for retirement. Mm-hmm. And I think you can get an idea from things like retirement calculators that are out there. I like this one that's at the FINRA's website because it puts in a lot of different variables and you can see how they interact. Um, and I'll put that one in the sure podcast is. notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think also we, when we start thinking about these retirement goals and that's kind of where I am in my lifetime. So I, you know, find it really interesting, maybe more than I did when I was 25, but understanding sort of the risks that change how mm-hmm. much I need for retirement is important. And so the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College have a paper called How Well Do Retire? assess the risks they face in retirement. And they identified five major risks for your retirement planning. And one of those is longevity. You know, how long do we expect Mm -hmm. to live? One is market risk. You know, how volatile is our investments and what are our risks of losing money? Our health risk and healthcare costs do nothing but continue to go up. Family risk is really kind of like what you were talking Mm -hmm. about. The need to, once you're even 65 and older, to be transferring money to other family members to help with their needs. And then policy risk, because a lot of people are depending on things like social security. And if that changes and social security benefits could change. And I would guess that a lot of people that are getting close to retirement have thought about some of mm-hmm. these risks, if not all of them. But I'm not sure that we all are real good at assessing those risks. Right. And it might be worthwhile stopping to think about that. The study says we have a lot of room for improvement in how well we understand these Surprise. risks. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of in a quick summary, mm-hmm. it turns out that people tend to underestimate how long they're going to live. So people may think they're only going to live maybe 10, 15 years after they retire, but actually they might live longer and require more financial assets to be able to live on. 
They also underestimate healthcare costs. You know, not only do costs increase, but our need for healthcare increases mm -hmm. as we age. And it's hard to always take that into account. As somebody who's in their 60s, I would say that it continues to surprise me that my health is not what it was when I was younger. And yet, rationally, I know mm -hmm. that has to be true, right? And then, interesting enough, people overestimate the market risk. So they actually expect to lose more or not do as well in the market than what is likely to happen. I mean, we don't have a crystal ball for anything, but we're looking at probabilities here. Mm -hmm. So I think these are kind of the things it's always worthwhile to sit back and kind of do a reality check, right. you know, whether we're using a real calculator or we're just sort of mentally calculating our risks on these things. Stopping and checking ourselves is important as we make these plans. And so I was playing with the longevity one today and I know, Kamaya, I sent you the I links and you too. played a little mm -hmm. bit. And when there's some calculators out there that you can check how long they think by probability you will live. And uh, I think we both started with the social security longevity calculator. Mm -hmm. Were you surprised by that number or did it? Yeah. So with these calculators, I was like trying to decide with like one of the calculators that I use, like some of the information that I would input. But for the first one with the social security one, which is asked for like two factors for you to plug in. And when I saw kind of like the projection of, you know, how many more years do I have? Just looking to see like the information that they put on there. I wasn't very surprised. So just thinking about like what my current age is right now in my late thirties, and then thinking about just my family's history. So knowing a little bit about my family's history and, you know, um, life expectancy within my family, I wasn't too surprised by some of what I saw on there. In the second calculator, which I think Kathy and I liked a little bit more, you could input more factors in there. So things relating to your health, your ethnicity, other factors that you could add to that just to see. And we saw a little bit of a difference with those two. We saw a little bit of a difference in how long you're, you're expected to live. And of course, this becomes important, you know, based on, you know, what Kathy just shared with this excellent resource with the research that um, she just summarized is just kind of knowing like, you know, if I'm expected to, you know, live, you know, 10 years longer than I initially estimated, how will that affect my retirement? How will that affect what I have in savings or what I have in like my investments, I mean, you know, for, for the length of time that you will need that money? Yeah, because, you know, all these things kind of are played by probability, right? Yes. And so, you know, even like looking at one of the calculators where it shows like you have a 25% chance of living this long, you know, do I want to bet that I won't live that long <laughs> and, you know, only plan for enough money mm -hmm. to get me to the, you know, 50% chance or 75% chance. I mean, these just, you know, make it a little more complicated, mm -hmm. but I think can also really kind of, even if we're not going to hit the exact number, the exact year, right? We know that they're important things for us to think about in terms of the amount, because one of the things is basically what it was saying to me is, you know, let's say I'm expected to live another 25 years after retirement. Well, I only worked like 30 years, thing, mm -hmm. 25 to 30 years. That's a lot of savings off, you know, you're basically saying for the amount of years you worked, you might need that many years right. of income mm -hmm. while you're retired. Now, that's when we start looking at some strategies to help mm -hmm. our money grow. Grow, but 
when you put it that way, yeah, just influences maybe when you want to stop working, if you have to think about it that way. Right. Or you might look at it like me and go, well, that's not very many more years to do all the things I want. Maybe I do need to stop working so I can do those things. <laughs> and I think too, with like these calculators, you know, like for our approach to it, it's just input in like that information just to learn a little bit more as we're thinking about like our future planning. And please do not feel too scared to put this in. I know for some people, you know, when it comes to thinking long-term or thinking, you know, for the future and looking to see at those numbers do not be scared by those numbers again like Kathy said these are estimates these are probabilities that you are getting right. just to to find out a little bit more information on how you can plan better so exactly um, going in with fun do it with a partner <laughs> I think Kathy yeah. do it with her partner do it with a partner this might be um, a fun way for you to just kind of estimate and look at it yeah. And then when you're starting to look at things like long-term savings, that's when we really do need to start looking at some strategies that can help our money grow and to maximize its potential, essentially. And I think understanding things like compounding returns and how to take advantage of potential tax benefits, like, for example, of employer-sponsored retirement plans, you know, is important. It's important things to learn about. And if you haven't had an opportunity to learn about those things before, we do have a couple of webinars that we've done in the last year or so called Investing Basics and Steps to Investing through our Get Savvy webinar series. And so again, we'll put those in the podcast notes so that you can link over to those. But I just want to say that you can learn about it. It's, you know, you don't have to be a financial expert to have an understanding of how some of these tools can work for you and help you reach your long-term goals. So I would encourage you to like explore that if you haven't had that chance before. Other strategies that you wanted to touch on maybe no, I just think, you know, when I talk to people about savings, most people, if not everybody that I've talked to, whether through workshops or just different interactions, as we were talking about money, you know, have like a desire to save, have a desire to invest and to try to make their money grow. And we know that life situation affects how they're able to do that and when they're able to do that. So we do take all of that into consideration. But when we talk about savings and when we do any podcasts or our lessons on savings, this is to help help everyone to try to develop like those healthy savings habit and think actively about it. If you haven't been look at just like some of the different strategies that might work for you, some of what we shared here. Maybe you have other people in your life who do creative things to kind of cut spending and increase savings. Just try your best to find ones that might work for your situation that might work for you. But um, savings is one of our favorites and we love talking about it. And we, we love when people share those great ways in how they try try to build their savings over time. And one strategy that I know we've mentioned, but I, I do want to bring back out, especially under long-term savings, is the advantage of when you're in a financial position where you feel comfortable with this, of setting up automatic withdrawals from your paycheck that goes straight to an investment or a savings account. that doesn't go into your spending checking account or you know wherever your account would be for that. There's really some very good evidence that when you make that decision once, I'm going to take X percentage or X number of dollars out of each paycheck to go to the these long-term goals, that it's much easier for that decision to keep rolling than if you have to make that decision every time you bring a paycheck home, because something else will feel urgent in your mm -hmm. brain. And so if it's just not there and you don't see it, it's easier than just to work around that. So if that's not something you've explored doing, you might want to start it, you know, think about, check with your employer to see what options they have, what that would look like, you know, start at a place that you feel comfortable, start someplace relatively small, if that 
that feels good that you can do that that way. Knowing that next year you could choose to up it. Mm. If you get a salary increase, you can choose to take a percentage of that up, you know, to your long-term goals. Doing that and starting to save automatically will probably be the way that most people will find they build their wealth. And it's just going to feel great to start seeing your money grow, right? Yeah, and it helps, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so many different pieces around feuding about savings. So now that we've had this little conversation and you've been joining in listening, you know, again, I'm going to ask you, what's the feud that you have with savings? And did you hear a strategy or something you could explore that might help you kind of get over that feud and tackle that barrier and get started on? your saving plan. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Kathy, for this great discussion. I love talking about savings. I remember growing up, like having just like different conversations with my dad about savings. And he would always say, you know, I just love seeing, you know, how my my little change add up over time. And that's something that I've embodied my whole life. And so, you know, when we share information on savings, we really do hope that we provide some valuable resources for you that you can take away. Great. Have a good day. Well, thanks, everyone. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to Family Financial Feuds. If you'd like to learn more about the educators, Extension in Illinois, or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web at www.retirewell.illinois.edu.